We're in bloodandfaith.com, 17th February, in the year of our Lord, 2024. Thought I'd make a couple comments about um, how I got to be where I am and uh, the process that it's taken me through. And uh, on one hand, I'm, I'm well hated by a number of people, which is fine. That's, you know, that's neither here nor there, and that's not something I'm, I, uh, it's worth talking about. But I didn't come to uh, this place, uh, you know, I didn't wake up one day and say, gee, I don't know how I got here. I got here uh, it, it, via a very deliberate set of decisions that I've made. Um, I have taken a rather unpopular position vis-a-vis the Jews, uh, vis-a-vis the, the current incarnation, the current state of Israel, which I think is a fiat country. Um, but right there, that kind of says a lot on, on uh, where I stand on a, uh, a very hot topic, a very interesting issue. And I would say that I am not only hated by the Jews, but I'm hated very much by the evangelicals, hated very much by the evangelical church who feels I am betraying a God's chosen people, and I feel it's just the opposite. I, I I feel that they have, uh, in fact, betrayed Jesus Christ by siding with his enemies. And on one hand, you know, part of me says, you know, hey, you know, Fritz, you've taken some pretty strong positions and uh, it must be difficult to uh, have made those decisions, but that is not the case. And, and I want to make that clear because I have made hard decisions. There's no doubt about that. I've made hard decisions, but I haven't made them out of some deep reservoir of, of strength or moral courage, I would say. I would say that I've, 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 I've come to this position uh, kicking and screaming and dragging my feet along the way because I'm not a strong man. I'm not a brave man. I'm not a, a man who wants to get out there and, and lead the pack. I've been the man that has wanted to be the gray man. I've been the man that's wanted to stay in the shadows and find an, <laughs> find any accommodation that I can possibly find with the world, and by extension, certainly with the Jews. I'm not a controversial guy. You meet me, you're like, what you know? What there's nothing there, and I've, I, my whole life has been an exercise in in trying to find a way uh, of of avoiding conflict of avoiding uh, controversy, of avoiding uh, fights, and, and, you know, sort of fit in through, you know, you know s- skip through the woods without running into any trees, shall we say, or, or uh, f- find a way to manage my way through life without having any major conflicts. I'm not a brave man. I haven't been a brave man. I haven't been a man of courage, moral courage, or any other kind of courage. And I've been dragged, kicking and screaming, by the grace of God, to the place where I am today, such that I got some pretty good enemies. And I don't say this uh, to build myself up. I say this just to let you know um, it's an act of grace that I stand where I stand and I sit where I sit and I say what I say. Uh, and and for those of you out there that... Uh, I guess my point is this: the part of the I have been, I am the perfect example of what's wrong with the church. I'm the perfect example of what has been wrong with the evangelical church for the vast majority of my life, 
And I recognized something that was wrong, I don't know, maybe 40 years ago. I was very inv- much involved in the church and, and evangelism on university campuses. And I said, there's, I said, there's something wrong. I'm saying all the right words. And we collectively, as, as evangelical campus ministries, are saying all the right words, but there's no power. And I don't mean, you know, you know, signs from God and healings and this and that and the other thing. I mean, supposedly we have the message that, that literally will change the world. And the world has gone from bad to worse in my lifetime. It's gone from bad to worse in my lifetime. Where, where is this power? Where is this God that we preach? And uh, I determined in my mind right then and there that I said, there's something wrong with what we're doing. I don't know what it is, but there's something not right. And I've been thinking about that my whole life. And, you know, I think later in life I, I've certainly found at least part of that. And as a result, my greatest criticism is not towards the synagogue of Satan. It's not for the devil's children. It's for an evangelical church that won't recognize that there are uh, the devil's children and that there is a synagogue of Satan. That's where my biggest criticism is. It's towards my own people, my own spiritual race, if you want to say, my own biological race as far as that's concerned. We uh, have sought, I have sought accommodation with the world. I have. And it's late in life, uh, dragged kicking and screaming by simply the forceful effect of the Holy Scriptures to say, look, <laughs> we're doing something wrong. And this is it. This is what Jesus Christ said. This is who he said the enemies are. Uh, and and, and it's, it's, when, you, when you say the things I've said, you, you cross a line that you can't come back from. And if there's anything that the church needs to do, it's to cross lines that they cannot come back from. I think the evangelical church has been very much like Fritz Bergeron in most of my life where I've simply not crossed the Rubicon. I have not crossed the Rubicon in the past, in, in decisions I've made in my life. You, know, you get right up there and, and it, 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 there's always a way to find an accommodation with the world. And there's no permanent utter loss. This is self-criticism. It's self-criticism, and, and I think much of the evangelical church has shared this. Uh, there's a, been a, a desire to get along with the world, go along with the world, because we've been terrified of being called racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, queerphobic, intolerant, divisive, perhaps most of all anti-Semitic. We've been terrified of taking at face value what Jesus Christ said, because once you do that, once you speak against the synagogue of Satan, uh, you do cross a Rubicon. There's a Rubicon that you cross that you can never come back from. And let me tell you something. It's glorious to be on the other side. It's wonderful to be on the other side. But once you go out and publicly put your name and your face out there, and by the way, there's no anonymous Christians. For a Christian to be anonymous in what he says is, there's no examples of that in the Holy Scriptures. Now, in American history, there's plenty of that. Uh, Benjamin Franklin is my favorite example. I'm not saying there's no place for that. I am saying there's no place for that for the Christian or for the pastor or for the preacher. Come out there, put your name there, put your face out there, and say what Jesus Christ said. Cross that Rubicon, and there's great freedom on the other side. Are you going to pay for it? Oh, yeah, you're going to pay for it. 
Um, and, and again, I didn't, I wasn't born with some great reservoir of, of, of moral courage or strength to say this thing, things that I have. I was dragged kicking and, and screaming to this place by the grace of God. And I finally, I, I was asking very, very hard and very difficult questions. Uh, but I had to come to a point in my life where I was willing to ask those questions and I was willing to accept the answers that I was given out of the Holy Scriptures and the consequences of those answers. And it took a long time in my life to get there. Uh, I had, you know, again, I, you know, I'm not looking for trouble. Not, not, haven't been that guy. And I had some deep, deep questions about well, for me, it was the hatred towards the white race, which, which was beyond the normal Marxist tripe you get in, in, in grad school. And I said, what, where does this come from? It's a, it's, and I don't mean spiritual in, in the fact that it's spooky spiritual. I mean, there's something <laughs> satanic about this hatred of the white race. What have we done but goodness to the white, to the world? We've done nothing but goodness to the world. We brought the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We've brought modern medicine and health and technology and prosperity to the world. Yeah, it hasn't been a perfect mar match. It hasn't been a perfect march, but compared to a lot of other people out there, it's been pretty good. And I say, you know, no matter how far we bend, how, how far we uh, uh, give and give and give, it's never enough. It's like they, they double down on the hatred of the white race. I posted some stuff recently about this. Seattle school districts are saying if you know if you're into uh, you know science and reading it's it's a sign of white supremacy, and you just go you know how can people be so ignorant? And I've shared elsewhere where you know the conclusions I came to it, it goes all the way back to Genesis three fifteen, the hatred the utter hatred between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And and you know you move you march forward through the holy scriptures and you, and you come up to the gospels and and boom John the Baptist says hey there's you know he's he's calling this certain group of people uh, a brood of vipers and it clicked on me wait a minute brood of vipers seed of the serpent isn't that the same thing and it is it's the same thing then you go into Jesus Christ and, and the the hatred between Jesus Christ and you know who was just it's palpable. And he said the same thing that Jesus, that, that John the Baptist did. He, he called him a brood of vipers, a brood of vipers. You brood of vipers, how will you escape the sentence of hell? And you see what happens. You see what happens. You see, oh my God, then, you know, that a certain people murders the Messiah of God. And then you see that the story in the book of Acts where a certain people are the consistent enemies of the church of Jesus Christ. And then you read the book of Revelation, and Jesus Christ is as explicit as ever, identifying people who claim to be something that they're not, but they're in fact the synagogue of Satan. And, and then you sit back and you go, I, I, can't, I can't stop this anymore. And then you start noticing things like the scriptures are written in a European tongue and that all the epistles are written to European churches and that Jesus Christ began speaking Greek after he rose from the dead. You notice that Europe converts to Jesus Christ. Europe becomes Christendom. Europe becomes Christendom. Europe becomes Christendom. The white race becomes Christian. And at some point you sit back and you say,
it's so big and it's so obvious and it's so overwhelming. One wonders, I wonder, how come I've never seen that before? How come I've never seen that before? I've certainly never heard it before. Never heard it from another man. Never heard it from another preacher. Never read it in another book. I suspect there's been many men over the centuries that have said this and written this. There's a reason Europe was called Christendom. And being who I am and doing what I do, I opened my mouth up and spoke. I came to a point, I think I was in a rock. This was, and forgive me if this is all too personal for you. You don't have to listen to this nonsense. I don't like talking about myself. I was in a rock. I was over there and, and uh, you know, any intelligent man, any mature human being reflects upon the meaning of their life. Any mature human being reflects upon the meaning of their life, their purpose in life, and why, why do I exist, and what, 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 what's this all about? And I recognize that I have uh, uh, an intellectual ability, an intellectual curiosity that most men don't have. They don't have it. I recognize I have a love for the Scriptures that most men simply don't have. They don't. And I have ability to write and to teach that most men don't have. And there was a yearning inside of me to express that which I knew or thought I knew or understood. And at a certain point, I said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't. Anyway, I made a decision. Look, I'm going to write. I'm just going to write. I'm going to write whatever I want to write. And to heck with everybody else. To heck with what they think about me. Um, I, I don't even care if nobody reads me. And I honestly didn't expect anybody to read me. I honestly didn't expect anybody to pay any any attention whatsoever to anything I said. And I didn't try to hide it. I actually had a, um, what was it called, Facebook? I had a Facebook page for a while, and I have a, had a lot of colleagues that follow along on my Facebook page, and my colleagues are the, uh, you know, they're devotees of the uh, cult of the global world order. Very much so. That's that's their profession. That was our profession. That is That was my profession. Uh, I've been, since then, cast out of the cult, uh, rejected because I'm not a good cult member, not a good high priest and prophet for the cult. And uh, appropriately so from their point of view. I understand that. I understand it. I don't reject that. That's their religion. And uh, I'm not a good member of their religion. I, it was a bad fit. Um, but like I said, I haven't necessarily been a man of courage who has wanted to uh, rock the boat, so to speak. I just came to a point in my life, I said, I can't do this anymore. I have to live my life. You know, people say... <laughs> You know, people are coming out all over the place. And none of this was latent in me. I've spent, you know, decades of my life preaching the gospel, formally and informally. What, what changed was uh, uh, the definition of the gospel uh, was vastly deepened. And I, was, I came to a point in my life where I was willing to accept what Jesus Christ said at face value even though it was deeply contrary to what evangelicals thought and believed. Deeply contrary. I mean, I, all my life I've heard from many Christian pastors and Christian leaders and, and, and relatives that uh, such and such are God's chosen people. And, uh, you know, when you're in a cult, it's hard to know you're in a cult. 
but you know what we have an out is called the holy scriptures it's you know I, I, that's the only place i could go for for knowledge that's the only place i could go to. i mean i've got the phd i've got all the worldly knowledge i've got all the worldly knowledge that you can't say i'm ignorant you cannot say that i'm fritz is ignorant and and he's unschooled and untutored and uh you know can't spell uh <laughs> i've got the you know i've got the parchment And I said, and you know, I I'm careful on on what I want to believe, and and if it's not in the scriptures, I you know I. It doesn't it doesn't uh, elevate itself in priority to me. Now there's a lot of other good knowledge out there that maybe is not in the Bible. But when you're talking about fundamental issues, I mean fundamental issues of reality and truth and history and morality. And uh, such as asking why the hatred towards the white race. I, I, there's only one place that I can go. And if it's not there, I'm not interested in it. Honestly, I'm not interested in it. It's got to be in the Holy Scriptures. And so that's where I dug and dug and dug and dug. I think I started at the beginning. I started at the end. I started in Revelation and <laughs> read it backwards till I got to Genesis. 3.15, the hatred between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And, you know, the light bulb started going off. And uh, we live in a world that boasts about being tolerant and diverse, and it's all a lie. It's all a complete and utter lie. I spoke my piece, said what I had to say, and uh, you know the hatred of the uh, the tolerant and and, and uh, diversity club came out in force, and uh, uh, I was uh, still in, I'm still in the process of being officially cast out of the cult, but I was certainly cast out of the cult. And uh, named and and, and shamed, uh, and uh, they gave me a lot of publicity. That's why anybody out there knows who Blood and Faith is or knows who Fritz Bergman is. I was given lots and lots of free publicity by the Tolerance and Diversity Club. Oh my God, we have a heretic in our midst. It, it, you know, we he can't say that. You can, you and you, you know you get called the ists and the ites, which is fine. If, if there's one thing that I've r really tried to uh, open up the minds of, of Christians to, and white people to, um, is stop giving these words power over you. We give these words power that, that they don't deserve. Oh, you can't be racist. Um, excuse me? What does racist even mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? And, and the, it turns out you can't define it. You, they, they won't define it because then you would have to apply it consistently across races. And they can't have that. They can't have that. There's no law in any books in, in, in the world that says you cannot be racist. They're, they're not because then you're going to have to go to court of law and you're going to say, well, <laughs> we have to be consistent with the law. It doesn't exist. And you can't be homophobic. And he can't be trans, and on and on and on. He can't be anti-Semitic because of, you know, blah, 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 blah. And you give this power over your mind, and you let it control your tongue and your mouth. And when everything that you filter in life has to filter through and meet the standards of these man-made terms, you forge your own change. You forge your own change. And I recognize that at some point along the line, I've been writing about that one, I think, probably for, I don't know, a couple decades. 
our greatest slavery is is in the mind it, with these words that are man-made words used to shame us uh, and accuse us and bring guilt upon us. And the white people are the worst people on the face of the earth about that. The, the self-guilt and the self-shame that, that we put upon ourselves. Well, you can't say that because that's it's racist. It's homophobic. It's anti-Semitic. And so, okay, so what's the truth? What is the truth then? What is the truth? Uh, the Holy Scriptures. The Holy Scriptures are the truth. As far as Fritz Bergen's concerned, as far as Jesus Christ was concerned. So I said, well, let's read the Holy Scriptures. And then you read the Holy Scriptures and like, wow, no wonder people didn't like Jesus Christ. No wonder the Jews didn't like Jesus Christ. He, he was explicit on, on how he felt about the Jews. Uh, not only in his life, but after his resurrection. Revelation 2.9, Revelation 3.9, Paul, Paul the converted Jew. He was just as forceful as Jesus Christ ever was. He said, look, these people, these people, these people, these Jews, they murdered the Messiah, they murdered the prophets, they're hostile to all mankind. They prevent people from hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ so they can get saved. The wrath of God has come upon them to the utmost. 1 Thessalonians 2, 14 through 16. Well, that doesn't fly very well in the evangelical community, does it? It, it, you know, you, you can't say that in the evangelical community because they have sold out to the identity thieves. So just some, you know, words of advice. First of all, if, if, if this causes fear and trembling of you, it, yeah, yeah, it, it, it should. Uh... There's this dude named Jesus Christ. You know, he had a little fear and trembling too. Remember him in the Garden of Gethsemane? He was kind of freaked out. He was kind of freaked out. Word has it that he was sweating blood. He was so freaked out. And then he prayed to his God. He said, God, may this cup pass from me. I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. But not my will, that will be done. Those aren't the sayings of a, of a monk of a religious man. That, that was, those were the sayings of a man who was truly terrified what, what, what he was going to face and what he had to go through. It, w it was brutal. Yet that, that is our example. That is our example. Um, it's okay to be scared. It's not okay to keep your mouth shut. In this thing that we call the Christian faith, which I have a little bit of an intellectual problem with that. I'm, I, I'm, not in, in, I'm not a member of a faith community. I'm loyal to a monarch. I'm loyal to a monarch whose name is Jesus Christ. I say what he says. I say what he said. I'm extremely proud of what he said. Uh, this isn't a f I'm not engaged in a faith community. I'm simply telling you who my monarch is, who I'm loyal to whether it's for life or for death. That is what it is. That is what it is. That is what it is for my brethren in Jesus Christ. That's what it is. It's not a happy club. It's not a morality club. It's not a, a faith community. And the world will do everything it can to reduce this to a faith community and a morality club and a self-help society, and a do-good-unto-other society, so that 
their narrative reigns over all. And so they can go to people like Fritz Bergen and say, Fritz, you're not a good man. You're not a good Christian. You're racist and you're anti-Semitic and you're, frankly, you're homophobic and you're intolerant and you're divisive. And therefore, you're a really bad Christian. So, um, you know, we need to punish you for that. And it's, it's funny on one hand, because these people are frauds. They're the hypocrites that Jesus Christ warned you about. On the other hand, it's very real. It's, it's very real. Um, and they have a lot of power, and they will do bad things to you to the extent that they can. Bible's full of examples of this. Daniel is one of them. He's one of my favorite examples. Daniel was a, a faithful, loyal bureaucrat in a, a, a pagan system. But he says, I'm, I'm going to worship my God. I will worship my God. I will worship my God. And the other people, they didn't like him. Why? Probably because he worshiped his God. He certainly didn't do them right. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anybody any wrong at all. He wasn't persecuting other people because they had a different religion. He simply prayed to his God. He prayed out loud. People knew who he was. He knew where he stood. He'd pray out loud. He'd go to his home. He'd open the windows and he'd pray out loud. Everybody could hear him. And so the Pharisees and the scribes of his day, of his day, and we have the same people today. It's, it's these people that are really good at uh, petty bureaucratic nonsense. And they say, you know what, we don't like this behavior, so let's invent a law, let's invent a rule, let's invent a precept. Let's put, put a line in the Foreign Affairs Manual or the um, HR Manual or whatever you have. And we say, well, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't say this, you can't say that. And then they, they got Daniel and they, they manipulated the king into um, agreeing to this. And then they, they took the king to a place that he didn't want to go, and he had to throw Danny in the lion's den. We'll wrap up in a minute. I got some points about this. And it was all done, quote-unquote, illegally, through legalese, through the scribes, through the Pharisees. They said, so, well, he violated this little regulation. He violated this little rule. He, he didn't hurt anybody. He didn't do anything to anybody. But it wasn't good enough. He was not part of the cult, and so they wanted him dead, and they threw him in the lion's den. Now, how did the king respond? And I guess this is, this is really contrary to everything we may have learned in evangelical Christianity. The king was wroth. The king was angry. And he says, you know what, you got this guy by all your little legalese, all your little rules, all your little lawsuits, all your little uh, manipulations of the regulations, and you tried to have him put to death. And he took those other men and their wives and their kids, and he threw them in the lion's den. And they were killed before they reached the bottom of the den. Well, that's not very Christian. Oh, no, 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 no. That is very Christian. Why? Yeah, well, this is what I'm getting at. There's a guy, there's a prophet, his name was Samuel. His name was Samuel. And he was a prophet to the ancient race of Israel. The ancient race of Israel. And they're at war with whoever. 
an evil race. And you, oh, we're all the children. No, they're at war with an evil race. And King Saul, he wanted to be a good cosmopolitan. He wanted to be a good citizen of the world. He wanted to be reasonable. He wanted to show mercy where God had no desire to show mercy. And he, after he defeated the enemy forces, he refused to kill the evil king. Because he looked like the bigger man. He looked like the bigger man. Well, look at me. I'm going to have peace, and we're going to sort out our differences, and, and uh, we're going to find a way to get along, to be friends with the world in a very real sense. And he lost his kingship. And Samuel hewed Agag to pieces before the Lord Jesus Christ at Gilgal. Samuel hewed Agag to pieces before the, the, before the Lord at Gilgal. The Lord is the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other Lord. It's Jesus Christ. There is no other Lord. It's Jesus Christ. There is no other Lord. There is no other God. It's Jesus Christ. It's not another God. It's Jesus Christ. And, the, and Samuel hewed, he chopped up Agag into little pieces before the Lord Jesus Christ at a place called Gilgal. That's what he did. He chopped up Agag into little pieces with an axe and a sword before the Lord Jesus Christ at Gilgal. Oh, well, that's not very Christian. No, you're not very Christian. You're not very Christian. We've, we've created a new religion. We've literally created a new religion. We've created the Judeo-Christian religion. The same thing that the Jews did. It's the same thing the Jews did. They had the law. They had the prophets. They said, we don't like that. We're going to reinterpret it. We're going to, we're going to have our Talmud to uh, reinterpret it for us. Ch Christian church, evangelical church has done the same thing. Mainline churches, Catholic church, the whole nine yards, a whole, whole lot of them. Samuel hewed. You know what he was? You hew wood. You take an axe and you, you chop it up until it's in little pieces. He hewed Agag to pieces, very explicit, before the Lord, the Lord, who, the Lord Jesus Christ, at a place called Gilgal. It wasn't spiritual. It happened. This was the prophet of God. This was the prophet of God. Well, I don't know about that. That's Old Testament. Yeah, well, Luke chapter 19 can't remember which verse. Jesus Christ says this. He says, hey, all these people that didn't want to serve me, bring them here. Bring them here in front of me and slaughter them in my presence. Slaughter them in my presence. Luke chapter 19. I think it's verse 16. I'm not sure. He said, hey, by the way, everybody, all these people that don't want me to reign and rule over them, bring them here into my presence and slaughter them. Slaughter them in front of me. That's an exact duplicate of what Samuel did to Agag. Samuel hewed Agag to pieces before the Lord Jesus Christ at Gilgal. Jesus Christ said, hey, all these people that don't want me to rule over them, bring them to my presence. Bring them in front of me, right in front of me, and slaughter them in my presence. Oh, well, that doesn't sound like good evangelical Christianity. You're right, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. It sounds like Jesus Christ. That's what it sounds like. And the church, 
I don't like to say this, but I don't know how else to say it. Doesn't like Jesus Christ. Does not like Jesus Christ. Doesn't like him. Does not like him. The church does not like Jesus Christ. Does not like him. Well, that's intolerant. That's divisive. That's hate. That's not forgiveness. That's not turning the other cheek. Jesus Christ is not good enough for the average evangelical. It's just not. Let me give you another example. A guy named Elijah. Prophet of God, prophet of God. Elijah, the prophet of God. He goes up to Mount Carmel, has a face-off with the priests of Baal, a bunch of homosexual priests. Dogs. Dogs. They were Dogs. And you got this big show up there, and all the Christians are down there watching. Oh, I wonder who's going to win. I wonder what's going to happen. The God of Israel shows up, and he causes, you know, you, you know the story. Elijah said, okay, bring all these dogs down to the creek. Bring these homosexual priests to Baal down to the creek with me. He brings them in there, and, and Elijah slaughters the priests of Baal. <gasps> well, that's not very Christian. That's not your job to judge. That's, you know, you need to forgive and turn the other. Elijah takes the priests of Baal, these dogs, these sodomite homosexual priests, and he puts them to the sword down by the creek. He slaughters every one of them. He wipes them out. He genocides them. The enemies of Daniel had the legal system wrapped up. They got this law passed and they threw him in the lion's den. The enemies of Jesus Christ had the law system wrapped up. They convicted him. They took him to court. They took him before the council and said, you've blasphemed, you've blasphemed, you've blasphemed. And they put him on a cross by the hands of other people. Because they're too dang good, just like Saul the Jew was too dang good to lift up his hand and throw a stone at people. He had other people do it while they laid the cloaks at his feet. All these little legalese people from Daniel to Jesus Christ. Oh, you got the same thing in 2024. You got the same thing today. Well, we're going to go after you because uh, you broke a law. You broke a rule. You broke a regulation. You broke the Constitution. Oh, but if they do it, psh, you know they don't pay a price for it. You know that. But the king comes along and the prophet comes along. And he says, you know what? I got another set of rules. It's called my way. Bring these people who didn't want me to rule over them and slaughter them in my presence. Oh, that's not very Christian. It's not very Christian. That's intolerant. That's divisive. The modern church, the Christian church, doesn't like Jesus Christ. Frankly, does not like Jesus Christ. Oh, that's anti-Semitic. That's anti-Semitic. Jesus would never say that. No, Jesus said that. And if you don't believe me, I've mentioned this before, but the Jews, you know, they have a long, long history with this. And they said, look, this Bible that you have is completely and utterly, they call it anti-Semitic. I don't think that's a legitimate term because they make it as a pejorative, as if, that, as if that's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing at all. Whatever Jesus Christ did and said is not bad. 
bringing it back to myself, look, I'm not a good or a strong man. I've simply been brought to these conclusions by the grace of God. And at a certain point, you got to just say, look, I'm getting older. What's, what's my life all about? And, and, I, and I say this for my brethren out there, my sisters out there. Uh, you got to cross the Rubicon. You got to go where you can't come back from, like Jesus Christ did, like Peter did, like Paul did, like Stephen did, like Moses did when he murdered. He, did, he was a race murderer. He crossed the Rubicon. He couldn't come back from that. Elijah, Samuel. And I think about certain political leaders and, uh, you know, they're still, like me, trying to find a way to fit in, trying to find a way to get along, trying to find a, a compromise, trying to find a way to uh, be acceptable to both sides. i got a particular political leader in mind, but... You know, it could be anything or anybody. Satan and, their, and his children are all in on this. They're all in. They're all in to the point of throwing Daniel into the lion's den and crucifying Jesus Christ. Do you think they've changed? Do you think they've woke up and, and said, you know what, we've got to find a way to get along with the Christians? No. But the Christians are so busy trying to find a way to get along with Satan's children that they won't even call them Satan's children. So busy trying to be friends with the world that they don't even see themselves as contrary to the world. They're part of the world. And they try to mold Jesus Christ into a figure that is acceptable to the Jews and to the world. It's this that we have to repent of. And to repent of that, you've got to say things that are going to force you on the other side of the Rubicon. Sorry for those of you that don't know Roman history. Look it up, the Rubicon. And, and, and we've been terrified of going there because once you go there, you can't come back. You can't come back. And literally all hell will break loose against you. Ask Daniel, ask Samuel, ask Elijah, ask Jeremiah, ask Jesus, ask Stephen, ask James. Ask the men and women of Hebrews chapter 11. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins living in holes in the earth. Some were sawn in two. That one gets me. Hebrews eleven thirty-eight. Some were sawn in two. Nameless people, nameless Christians, nameless people. We don't know who they are. They weren't rich, they weren't famous, they weren't powerful. Kind of like Gideon. Gideon, Gideon wasn't much. But they just, I can't do this anymore. It's a little healthy dose of this that the church of Jesus Christ needs. And a willingness to cross that Rubicon. Regardless. Regardless of the price. Fritz Bergen,